Hi, everyone. Thank you for being with us. In the inaugural edition of the Bridging the Gap series, I'm one of your hosts, Gary Cohen. And I'm the second host, Tyler Wall. Keep it in that order. I'm the first host, he's the second host. So this should be a really interesting series. There's a new thing we're doing here at CFE Media. This whole project is based on AI research. So artificial intelligence, the adoption, the implementation, and kind of the budgeting and challenges around how people in industrial automation are implementing artificial intelligence. This is something that, for our company, is very relevant because the, the verticals that we cover, everything from industrial automation to manufacturing to cybersecurity, AI cuts across all of these verticals. So it's become a very important thing for all of our, uh, all of our customers, all of our clients, and definitely for our audience. Um, so the research that we put together here is going gonna, is gonna to go through some of these issues that people are having. Uh, but then the best part of this is we also have a great guest with us today, Jeff Winter. He is an expert in digital transformation in Industry 4.0, thought leader, industry leader. He'll come in a little bit later and offer some of his opinions on, uh, on what we're talking about here and give Tyler and I a little bit of uh, a grounding. Yes, it will. And I mean, just kind of building off of that too, you know, digital transformation is a very, very heavy hitting, important topic right now within the industry. And a lot of people seem to get confused that digital transformation is uh, just a one and done. Like, you know what I mean? It's just you reach an endpoint and then that's it. But in reality, it's a checkpoint, not an endpoint in your, in your journey. So, I mean, yeah, we have a lot of great research we're going to be talking about here uh, as it relates to artificial intelligence and industrial manufacturing. And that's actually kind of an interesting thing. It's why we always call it the digital transformation journey. People are on a journey. It is a constant evolution of the process. And when you're talking about AI, I think you're going to see that. AI, it's not finished. We are not at, at the final version of AI. It is going to be constantly evolving with business. So it is something that there will never be a point with AI where you're done with it. It is going to be uh, it is, if you're not using it already, there's a real good chance that you will be in the near future. It will become more and more integral to a lot of these processes. So uh, it's one of the reasons that we think this is so important. Just to give you a little bit of a baseline of what we're doing here. So our survey methodology, we talk to people across all of these verticals that we're talking about. So across industrial automation, manufacturing, cybersecurity, um, plant engineering, control engineering. So we have responses from all of those, but we also cut a wide swath of job types. So when you look at the research that we've done, we have a few people from the C-suite, VPs, people at the top, but then it cuts across everybody. We've got IT, we've got plant managers, we've got people on the shop floor, we've got IT, we've got OT. So it really is a pretty wide range of people that we're talking to throughout this study to get some of this, uh, some of this information out there. Yeah, you know, the first stat we'll kind of smack you with here right off the bat is a little bit of a a downer to start off on, but that's because we want to build you up as we progress through all the stats, of course. Uh, a total of about 69% of our respondents have at least a little bit of scrutiny when talking about uh, integrating industrial, sorry, industrial automation, that's already there, uh, artificial intelligence into industrial automation. So um, it just, there's a little bit of a little bit of question mark uh, right now amongst you know people that are on that plant floor and in the C-suite for that matter. We did try to make it as confusing as possible, by the way. Mm -hmm. Artificial intelligence in industrial automation, or AI in IA. So, mm -hmm. keep up with us. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, as we said before, a lot of people are deciding that they do want to use AI right now, as Tyler just referenced. This number will continue to grow. It's something that we'll talk about a little bit later with Jeff Winter, our expert here. But if you're not using AI now, 
probably will be in the near future. It's coming. You probably will indeed. And when when we're talking about uh, the integration of artificial intelligence, you know, among our respondents, I mean, the big three uh, top use cases for consideration in implementation, I mean, they're talking 72% of respondents, respondents are talking about the operational efficiency gains coming from it, uh, 67% cost and return on investment, uh, 59% uh, availability and quality of data. I mean, just looking at that, it all really kind of boils down to, at least with the first two, some form of efficiency, efficiency gains, I should say. Uh, I mean, operational efficiency gains, that makes a ton of sense. But with cost and return on investment, I mean, just pure efficiency-wise, that'll eventually drive into um, more just return on investment because you're being just much more uh, uh, just driven in what you're doing and things of that nature. And when you talk about efficiency gains, so Tyler and I also host a podcast on cybersecurity where we talk about this a lot. Shameless plug. And, and shameless plug. The ICS Pulse podcast. Mm -hmm. Please listen. Uh, if you, you know, the people in cybersecurity, there's always a lot of fear, and we'll talk about this later, about uh, AI is coming to take our jobs. It's going to, the machines are going to replace humans. And when you talk to people in cybersecurity about how they are implementing AI, it is routinizing things that humans are not good at. It is the, the kind of stuff that humans go blind looking at reams and reams of data coming through. AI can do that. But in the, the kind of industries that we cover, in automation, in, in manufacturing, there will always be a need, or at least we think there will for the foreseeable future, to have that human touch point. It's still going to be important, but what AI can do is to help create those efficiencies that Tali was just talking about in things that, again, humans don't do well. It can process data at such a faster rate that, that I think there's, there are some huge benefits to get became there. Because I don't think we've used the word efficient enough in the past <laughs> five minutes. We're going to talk about it a little more. Uh, one of the next questions we asked our respondents uh, was just about the applications that will benefit the most from AI. And the top one, I mean, by a good 10% was predictive maintenance, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, automation within that space to help predict when things are going to go bad is huge, especially when we're talking about keeping the plant floor active. I mean, as soon as your plant floor goes down, you're losing money, millions and millions of dollars, especially on those... Uh, more name brand companies. Uh, but then the next up stat was uh, product optimization and then energy efficiency, quality assurance, workplace safety. But I mean, the name of the game here, at least with our respondents, is just efficiency. I mean, the, the efficiency that artificial intelligence will be able to bring to the table uh, will just emit such large gains for the industry. And one of the things that we, we mentioned earlier is and we'll have to talk about in this, are the challenges that people are facing when they're implementing AI. Because it is new technology, and especially when you're talking about the OT side, you're talking about SCADA systems and PLCs and HMIs that have maybe been running on that plant floor for 20 or 30 years. Sometimes implementing new technology is not seamless. So we did ask our, uh, in our research, we did ask about the challenges that people are experiencing. So, you know, have you experienced any and right now, surprisingly, 57, well, not unsurprisingly, sorry, 57% said yes, they are experiencing some challenges. 29% uh, said it's not applicable. Only 14% said no, so uh, I'm a little surprised that there were even 14% saying that they have no challenges whatsoever. Kudos. Yeah, good, good job, guys, if you're at 14%. Or they just have no idea what they're doing. But, uh, but a large portion of the, uh, are seeing some challenges. Uh, which again, it's not surprising with implementing a new technology, but we also asked 
specifically what kinds of challenges you're facing. And they're kind of what you would expect people to be facing. So I'll read a couple of quotes here that we had. Uh, acceptance by management without technical skills. Uh, culture and mindset change to start with and then buy in from the senior management. So that's a big portion of it is, you know, you do need to have, in order for this to really be adopted throughout a, country, uh, a company, you need to create a culture where it is accepted, where it's accepted from the top down, where the C-suite, the board, understands what this is and the benefits that it can bring a company. So the people on the plant floor and you know the, the people on the IT side, they understand why it's important. Now mind you, they might have a better understanding of why it's important than the people on the C-suite and the board, but, uh, but that sort of lack of trust, lack of acceptance, bringing in a new technology. It's not surprising that that was one of the big ones. It's not surprising. I mean, it almost calls for like a need for, at least in these plant facilities or even in these companies with facilities like that, uh, a need for like a great communicator, um, which is where we come into play and you hire us out to help communicate between your C-suite and your plant floor, so. Yes, if you've been impressed with our fumbling, you can hire <laughs> us to be a communicator for your company. Uh, but, but there's more of that. So one of them said that it's a lack of client knowledge regarding AI. So again, in that same vein. But a different one was uh, AI cannot be used for process automation because it is not safe enough. Obviously on the plant floor, safety is paramount. It's something that's very important. Uh, I would contest that AI is not safe enough, but it isn't surprising with the new technology that there would be some safety fears, there would be concerns. I mean, there have been countless movies that have told us that AI is coming to take over the world. So it's kind of ingrained in all of us from childhood. Mm. But, um, and, that, and that exists across automation, across our verticals, across cybersecurity. There are issues about security. If we, you know, is, um, are these safety and cybersecurity measures being baked into these AI products? Are they being tacked on afterward? Obviously, baked in at the inception is a lot easier. So there are some concerns about that, but a lot of these stem from that same thing we were talking about earlier. It's a new technology, so there's a little bit of distrust. We'll dive into that a little bit more later, but that distrust does exist. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely prominent too. Um, but getting back into some of this other research here, I mean, when we're talking about other usages for algorithms within industrial automation, I mean, the largest one, again, by a good 10% was machine learning being the uh, one of the bigger drivers. Now, I do think there's sometimes people equate artificial intelligence to machine learning. They're not the same, but there is definitely a use case for it in that regard. And then the next use case, 60% uh, was the Internet of Things and then deep learning, artificial neural networks. So. Um, there's definitely, I mean, when we're talking artificial intelligence, amongst algorithms, I mean, there's there's a lot to be had there too. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, and and that that confidence, like, there actually is. I mean, you'll you'll talk about this in a second, but there is a surprising amount of confidence in it right now. At least some confidence in it. So I don't know if it's surprising, but I think people are. We have, there's a little dissonance in the research about. People are afraid of it, but it's being adopted. They trust it, so we'll we'll see a little bit of that, and we'll parse that out as we go. Yeah, there's actually 60. No, that wasn't even the correct math. There's 57 <laughs> percent of people that actually have some confidence in artificial intelligence uh, and it outperforming uh, industrial automation as it stands. Um, Meaning so, industrial automation that's not using. Artificial intelligence. Correct. Yes. So the adding in uh, AI into IA uh, will just help 
just overall industrial automation as a whole. But yeah, so 54 or sorry, 57 percent of people said that they were like, hey, uh, we're actually a little bit, at least a little confident in its ability to do that. And then 34 percent is too early to tell, and 9 percent just are not confident at all, uh, which kind of just um, backs the idea and the notion that, I mean, there's a lot of uh, maybe misunderstanding, misrepresentation of the fear factor of artificial intelligence, and it's just still kind of there. And I'll be honest, it was somewhat heartening to me that it was only 9% were not confident. I'm fine with somewhat confident, or I'm not sure, maybe, mm -hmm. I think it can help us. Uh, but the people who come in and say, this isn't going to work for us, that's, mm -hmm. that's a little concerning. So that was a small number for us, at 9%. Yeah, and then when we're talking about the level of trust in AI-driven automations versus us normal human beings, uh, we were sitting at about 84% have uh, at least an above average or moderate trust, and then people that have full trust in artificial intelligence being better than people is 8%. And then only 8% have no trust at all. So, um, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's good to see. Absolutely. And just to, to level set a, bit, a little bit before we bring our guest in here, so this Bridging the Gap uh, series that we're doing, we're going to be covering a number of topics relating to AI. This mm -hmm. first one here, we're, we're talking, as you've seen, about trust in AI, how people are adopting it, what the challenges are, are they worried about it. But we are going to also cover implementation in the near future. We're going to talk a little bit about strengths and weaknesses on future episodes. And we're going to talk about the business impact of this implementation. So mm -hmm. we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. But, uh, but the best part of this podcast, not that Tyler and I aren't great, I'm sure you're really enjoying this here. Uh, but we will be talking to Jeff Winter here. And now a word from our sponsor, Proface. Proface is a global HMI supplier and offers the most reliable touchscreen operator interfaces and industrial computers in the automation solutions market. Their core product offer includes Proface HMI software and hardware and both panel and box style industrial PCs. Proface offers dedicated and PC-based open architecture, visualization, and control systems. Their high-powered but easy-to-use software and extensive connectivity to PLCs and industrial devices make Proface the best choice for your control solution. Now back to Bridging the Gap. All right, now we get to the fun part where we get to bring in Jeff Winter, who's going to school Tyler and I a little bit about NAI, Industry 4.0, Happy to have him here with us, Jeff. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is exciting. This is fun to do in person. All right, so, so let's give the credentials before we get started. I'm going to read these so I get them right. All right, Jeff Winter is an Industry 4.0 thought leader and influencer. In fact, he's number one in the world, according to Analytica. He's been recognized 13 times as being a top leader in his field. He's amassed 80,000 followers on LinkedIn and is recognized as one of the top AI influencers. He's also known as the guy who can, which is why we have him here, take complex topics and explain them simply to a wide audience from the shop floor to the C-suite. We're somewhere in between, so we should be <laughs> next to us. So, so that's great. Yeah, we're gonna we're, we'll talk a little bit about uh, about AI and trust in AI. This first section, we really want to cover issues uh, about how it's being adopted. Clearly, it is being adopted all through these industries. But as we said in some of the research. There's a little distrust, there's a little bit of skepticism out there. In your opinion, how should we be thinking about AI right now in industrial automation? So it's a great question, one that I actually explain to business leaders all the time, is making sure that your company thinks about AI the right way. Because mm -hmm. if you really think about it, AI is a concept. Mm -hmm. It's treated like a technology, but it, it 
isn't really a technology. It's a quest to replicate and improve upon human intelligence. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, it's going to evolve over time. There will be technologies to support it. There will be products to support it. But there was no date that you would attribute to its creation, and you won't be you know, at its, at its end. So when you break it down, there's two main ways I like to have people think about artificial intelligence. You can use it to help augment your decisions, and you can help use it to automate your decisions. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it like that, you'll find better and more uses to be applying the concepts of AI both today and in the future as it improves. So when you think about augmenting decisions, that's really where you're taking advantage of the technology to help you make better data-driven decisions. Mm -hmm. So for example, imagine being a plant manager at a, at a factory floor and you are getting all this data coming in and you need to answer questions about proper allocation of resources, proper allocation of people, and how you should optimize the, the production environment. That's a tall order if you don't have something to help sift through thousands if not millions of data points, identify correlations and connections, be able to make predictions and forecasts mm -hmm. to help you with that. That's a difficult thing. So AI absolutely can help you augmenting your decisions. When it comes to um, automating decisions, AI is also good at this. So this is where you're actually handing over the control to the AI algorithms and models to make the decisions for you. Great examples of use cases of this is quality inspection. You've probably all been on shop floors where you see someone manually inspecting parts for defects over time. Not only is it tedious and repetitive, but it's also prone to error. AI is exceptionally good at that. It's more accurate and it's substantially faster. And so there are applications that you can use it to replace you know, humans in processes because it's automating the decisions for you. Those are kind of the two big ways that I like people to think about AI. Yeah, that's a little bit about what we were talking about earlier in the intro about in cybersecurity. It's about trying to routinize things that we probably shouldn't be doing in the first place, that humans are just not good at. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the other, uh, one of the points I guess we referenced it earlier was 70% of respondents seem to think that, uh, or are at least somewhat worried about uh, adopting AI. Um, have you seen this in your own work? And I guess, why do you think that the users are so hesitant with it? So it's funny that when you sent me these statistics in advance to know what these, my first thought is, this isn't surprising at all. It may be surprising to the general population, but it's mm -hmm. not surprising to someone who pays attention to us. In fact, just earlier this year, KPMG came out with a study with the University of Queensland in Australia around trust in AI. And they identified over 17,000 people you know, that they asked, 61% don't trust AI. So mm -hmm. those numbers are actually pretty close when you look at you know, the overall aspect. Now what's interesting from them is they actually broke it down by geography, by generation, and by application. Just so you're aware, Finland and Japan as countries were the most distrusting of AI. And then if you were to look at most trusting was the younger generation. Uh, and then if you look at the applications, there was a wide difference between where people trust it. For example, people trust it more with medical decisions and they don't with HR decisions. Mm -hmm. So it depends on kind of where you're applying this. But I would say that the overall distrust comes from the fact that people don't understand that this technology is inherently difficult to understand. Once again, because it's trying to replicate human intelligence, people struggle to figure out how it works and how it's gonna impact them. Especially because it's so ubiquitous in its application. I would say it's one of very few technologies out there that impacts every single industry, 
every single job function and nearly every single role from the shop floor all the way up to the CEO. I mean, how many technologies do that? Electricity, the internet, like there's not many that are that profound in where they can make an impact. And people are trying to figure out how does it impact them as people and their companies. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned a second some of the challenges. A lot of them from the research, the, the quotes that we got from people are pretty fear-based, are pretty, you know, it's a new technology and we don't know how we feel about that. I don't know if this is because of the Terminator series or if we've just been indoctrinated in this for too long. Why do you think that is and are there ways that we can effectively ease people into the implementation of AI? <laughs> so it's funny, I made a joke post on LinkedIn about the references of Skynet from Terminator and its correlation to the advancement of Industry 4.0 technologies to show how Skynet is more referenced today than it was 30 years ago when Terminator came out yeah. because of this fear. And I think it ultimately comes down to control. You perceive that you're handing over control, whether you are armed, even if you used to augment decisions and not automate them, it's control. And you're handing over to control, not based off a rule-based system or logic-based system that you understand how it made the decision, you just let it make the decision. Now you're handing it over to something that you don't really necessarily understand how it made its decision. You only know what the answer is. So I would say there's, there's three general ways that you can look at from helping, I'm gonna call it from the, the personal side of AI, and then I'm gonna go over the corporate or company side of AI. So from the personal side, the one of the biggest ones is understanding it. You need to understand how it can help you in your daily job, and you need to have a basic understanding of what it does. Actually, it was just like, I think about a week ago, Boston Consulting Group came out with a study on AI's impact on individual performance of consultants mm. and, and just other, other workers. And they, they actually said that those that use AI have a significant improvement than those that don't. I, the, the numbers were, 12.2% increase in completion of tasks. It was 25.1% in terms of the increase in speed of completion of tasks. And it was 40% in terms of just, just higher and better results that they had. Those are shocking numbers. So I want people to think about AI as, you're most likely not gonna have AI replace your job. You're more likely to have people using AI replace your job. So if you're not thinking about how to use it to better your job, you will fall behind and you will fall behind quickly. The second I'm gonna say is around trust in AI. There needs, to be, there needs to be a better trust in AI from the aspect of how it actually produces the results and the results that you get as well as understanding where it has ethical concerns, bias, and makes unfair answers and kind of what it's doing. So that is something that we need to work on is the trust on the, on the individual aspect. And the, the third is related to individual ethics. So this is what's interesting too, is I actually believe generative AI and ChatGPT are questioning and potentially weakening the ethics of individuals because of how you choose personally and ethically to decide where do I claim credit for what AI generated and when do I give credit for what AI generated. And if you actually look at a fishbowl study that was conducted earlier this year, there is a surprisingly large amount of employees that are using ChatGPT that aren't telling their bosses. And that just shows you that ethically, they personally don't feel comfortable saying that they're using it. 
So that's, that's a huge way to look at it from a personal level. And then the second is from a company level. You need to really focus on the operational complexity, not the technical complexity. You can hire AI experts very easily to implement AI models and systems. It's the organizational complexity of where you integrate it into your processes. Do you have the right understanding of how and where to integrate it? And then I would say the others that companies have to deal with is regulatory and compliance issues. As a person, you don't really have to deal with that. As an organization, you need to be prepared for it because there's a whole bunch of stuff being proposed on AI regulations and compliance that are just about to be released. And then I would say the third is around ROI and business value. A lot of companies struggle with trying to figure out how to actually calculate and determine ROI. According to a Manufacturing Leadership Council uh, report that came out uh, earlier this year on industrial AI, 61% of AI projects don't have any metrics to actually track their ROI. Mm -hmm. That's astonishing how many companies are investing in AI and they don't know how to grade it. So those would be my answers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to jump in with one more question here on something you said. So. The, the ethical concerns that you just mentioned about people not feeling comfortable telling their employers that they're using AI. Do you think that's just about, like Tyler mentioned earlier, the communication from the top down saying, we're an organization that's okay with using AI. It's okay, you may incorporate this into your work. Because you know we're content producers and we've found, you definitely have to question it. You have to question what you get from it. Is it accurate? Is the stat made up? <laughs> is it what AI thinks you wanna hear or is it real? So there's that kind of stuff, but we, I, I think, you know, we, we've tried to create a culture where it is okay to use it for things like that. So is it a communication issue? I think communication absolutely helps. It helps put people at ease. You should be doing about the use of it and you should be doing about the integration of in the company because it's the biggest technology that causes everyone to question their jobs. I don't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a CEO, people have started questioning where is AI going to replace what I do? Not necessarily the entirety of the, the profession, but parts of what every real profession does will be replaced by AI. It may not be next year, it may be in 20 years, but it eventually will be replaced part of what you do. So there needs to be some ease in how the companies actually you know, say that they're gonna integrate to help boost their employees rather than perceiving it as employees as, no, we're just find, trying to find ways to you know, replace people. It's entirely different if you say, we wanna use AI to make you more productive rather than we're using AI to replace you. And then secondly is yes, your use as an AI as an individual, not as a corporation, as an individual, it, it gives a lot of ease to people if you actually encourage them to use it in their answers. But I still think even if companies do that, there's still gonna be some moral and ethical dilemmas that every person comes up with is, should I or shouldn't I be relying on that for my own answers? I mean, I've even had debates within my own family of the use of AI to come up with an answer for something for you or to validate or check a homework assignment or a work assignment. And what are the ethics behind that? There is no right or wrong answer. This is uncharted territory. Mm. So let's talk in a second. You mentioned earlier uh, integration. Um, I know a lot of people that we surveyed are having some just having some experiences and challenges within integrating AI. Uh, why do you think that people are experiencing those issues and what do you think some of those uh, reasons are? So 
AI is difficult to integrate generally because of the two things. One is the process that you're actually going to be integrating it in. A lot of people don't fully know exactly how AI is going to help them. They know that AI can do incredible things. It's good at prediction, it's good at you know classification, it's good at if you use generative AI at content generation, at summarization, it's good at code development and, and troubleshooting. But figuring out how and where to actually integrate that into your processes, let's say you're a software developer, all right, and you've got a thousand software developers, how are you actually going to integrate AI into that process to make them more effective? Mm -hmm. The actual tool to integrate and help them is going to be pretty easy to implement. Doing it into your processes is going to be the second, you know, the, the, the harder part. Mm -hmm. Um, the other big thing that's a challenge is most people jump right into AI as the answer to the solution because the technology, I would say, is there to make profound impacts. But what you're going to realize when you lift up the hood at your own company is that you most likely do not have the data quality that the AI needs and the data availability that the AI needs to be successful. Mm -hmm. And so integration becomes difficult because you understand once you learn the AI, it's possible to do what we want. However, we can't feed it the information to make the best decisions. So then you get mediocre decisions because of giving it mediocre data. Mm -hmm. One of the conversations I know we have a lot with um, different just OT experts out there is I mean, when we're talking about these plant floors, we're talking, these devices are 30 years old. I mean, they're decades old at this point. Um, could they, is there also potential for issue with just integration in the sense that, I mean, because they're still running Windows XP uh, and things of that nature, could they run into issues there in terms of uh, integration in AI, or um, is that less of an issue? In terms of the integration of AI, I don't think it is any more or less of an issue because generally speaking, you're doing your AI training in the cloud. So you're extracting data from the different systems or the different machines. You're running you know, AI in the cloud, you're producing your analytics, and you're using it to help augment decisions. The only time you're really, really going to be running AI locally mm -hmm. is going to be done at the edge, and you're doing it for real-time process control or real-time quality inspection. Mm -hmm. okay. But for analytics, which is the biggest general use, I would say, of it, it's not even being run in real time. And so when you, when you look at it like that, the actual integration into the equipment, as long as you can extract the data, you can start to use AI. So let's talk about some steps that companies can take to, in, in the short term, the mid term, to start trying to build trust with employees, customers, partners. What can they be doing to kind of ease this implementation of AI into their industrial processes? So there's a couple things I would have, and I would say at a societal level, we need to be coming up with governance and we need to come up with policies and regulations on there. There needs to be a fair playing ground that we're all in with the use of it. We need to all make sure that even all the AI technology companies are playing in the same field. Because AI is a broad concept, and I don't know how many people can actually answer the difference. If you look at the three major AI tech companies out there, does your AI even work the same? <laughs> is it going to produce you know, similar results or have yeah. different aspects on how it treats ethics or bias or any sort of responsibility out there? So there needs to be some you know, regulations, policies, and, and I'm going to call it uh, societal safeguards in place. Oh, yeah. that's, that's going to be a big one. We also need to have, as a society, a lot more education and understanding of what this is, what it can do, and how it can impact our lives. That was you know, something I was trying to talk about earlier is we as a society don't really understand this technology. 
And I would even say there's a lot of people that are classified as experts who have a good knowledge on it, but if you were to actually really lift up, there's not that many people that can walk you through step by step how the actual AI models and algorithms work. And now, not everyone needs to know that, but you need to have an understanding of where you can use it and how it can benefit you. That's kind of like at the, the biggest level. When it comes to individual companies, there's a couple things I'm gonna say. Related to that one, you need to have training. Training and development of your employees. They need to understand the AI tools that they have. They need to understand the skills that they're gonna be learning. You need to have a higher level of technical literacy. You need to have a higher level of analytic thinking and the ability to you know, do business intelligence with this because AI is designed to help aug augment or automate your decisions. And in the case of augmenting your decisions, you need to know what to do with that insight that it's giving you. Last thing you want is for it to give you a whole bunch of great information. You don't know what to do with it because you've not been trained on what to do with it. Mm -hmm. The other areas are transparency. So this is something I would say, yeah, at society at large, we need to have this, but it's more specific for companies to go, where you use AI, you need to make sure that your employees, and if you're using it for your customers or your suppliers, they understand how AI is making your decisions. You need to have that spelled out, you need to have it communicated, and you need to have it available because transparency helps with explainability. And if you start to use AI for things like content creation, that's low risk. If you use it to do calculations, risk analysis, or it's determining you know, decisions that have millions of dollars of impact, you better be sure you understand how it made that decision. So transparency is one, communication of the transparencies there, but also communication, like I said earlier, on what your intentions of AI is with the, the company. How are you planning on using it? There's two major categories, one to improve your internal company, and the other is to improve the way that you provide value to your customers. And I would argue AI can and should be part of both aspects of your business that you're looking at. And the last one is involvement. You should start to get people involved in your AI projects. That's gonna be the biggest way, and this isn't you know specific to AI, but any new technology adoption, get your people involved so that they can use it, experiment, have feedback, provide their you know thoughts on it so that their adoption improves. Something as simple as like ChatGPT, actually having someone use it, and if you tell them how they should use it rather than just giving it to them and let them figure it out on their own, they'll be a believer real quick if they know where it's good and where it's not, and you guide them through that path. Yeah, just one, I guess we have one more question for you here, and hopefully it's ending this on, you know, helping uh, all of the people that maybe are a little more questioning uh, AI's uh, use cases, uh, just ending on a high note here. Do you think that the hype is real behind artificial intelligence? <laughs> the, uh, no pressure. I, 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 end this on a high note. No pressure. <laughs> Simply put, yes, the, the hype is real. Uh, AI is one of the fastest growing technologies out there. And if you look at just the marketing behind every company, they're scrambling to figure out how to take advantage of it, both you know, for, for how they go to market and what they do with the value that they provide. So every company in every function is trying to figure out how to utilize this. Now one of the things that makes AI different than a lot of other technologies, and I'm gonna specifically call out generative AI, ChatGPT specifically, is the speed at which you can implement it and its applicability everywhere. So if you look at ChatGPT as a great example, you don't really need to train people to have them start using it. Now you can train them to be better at it, but you could just give them ChatGPT and they could start using it today with yeah. no training. That's powerful, all right? The other is the, is the fact that 
AI, and specifically generative AI, are actually technically pretty easy to implement. Mm -hmm. So you can implement ChatGPT models in your company in hours instead of years, assuming, with the major caveat, you have the data available. Most AI projects are spent on data collection, data storage, and data cleansing as a part of it. Assume you have that, the AI is actually pretty easy to implement. Let's compare to other major disruptive technologies. My favorite one's blockchain. Blockchain is extremely disruptive and a cool technology, but you can't implement it unless you do a massive transformation in your company, most likely spend millions of dollars and change a lot of things. It will be just as disruptive, but it costs more to implement. Like I said, ChatGPT, those innovative early adopters of it, they integrated in the company a couple months after it came out. That's powerful. So the hype is real because of the speed at which you can adopt it and the ease of which you can use it. We've discussed this before. It was like the democratization of AI when GPT was released to the masses because even people who were skeptical, like you said, here, try it. And it allowed people to experiment and try to figure out. So I think it was the first time that a wide swath of humanity actually dealt with a generative AI platform and saw, I mean, obviously, like you said, you've got to put good information in, the data's got to be good, but it did give us a chance to experiment with it and play with it. And I would say broader than just generative AI, ChatGPT was the world at large first exposure to public level to AI, because there aren't many other AI programs, technologies, or applications that you directly interfaced where you were you were interfacing directly with the AI and knowing it. As opposed to like watching Netflix and AI picks, you know, your yeah, yeah. your shows, but you're not in a, you're not interacting with the AI. ChatGPT was the first exposure for mm-hmm. most of the world. Very, very interesting. I also have to say to a person that I'm really glad that you brought up the education thing because I know we both have kids and that's Using ChatGPT for homework, I can't even imagine how rampant that is right now. <laughs> so, anyway, Jeff, thank you so much for being with us. It's a, it's a pleasure, really great insight into, into trust in AI, and uh, we can't wait to have you back with us again. I'm excited for it. Thanks so much. All right, and that was our conversation with the great Jeff Winter on uh, just general trust in AI in this first part here. Yeah, also, Renaissance man Jeff Winter, you know, the digital transformation industry 4.0 expert. We're talking about AI today expert in that too. Mm-hmm. So some really good insights. There are a few things he said in there that, that I think, there's a lot that he said that I thought was really interesting, mm-hmm. but part of using AI and implementing it into your company, it, you know, we have more data at our fingertips than we have ever had before. There's a, like an avalanche of data coming at us. And for AI to really be used effectively, it's important to put good data in, make sure you have the right stuff. It really is, for lack of a better term, it's kind of a garbage in, garbage out platform. Even if you are I mean, I've noticed it with content experimentation. If I'm trying to write something, I may start with a prompt and it's not giving me what I want. So keep refining that prompt, refining that prompt, and finally it gives you what you need. So it is a matter of you know, giving it the right data in order for it to get to those outcomes that Jeff talked about, to make those good decisions. I agree, and it even goes beyond that and make sure you're pointing it in the right direction, right? I mean, there are use cases where AI is gonna be huge, and there's use cases where maybe it won't impact as much, just like in just general, regular tasks. But um, there's certainly cases where it's gonna be much more beneficial, so it's a matter of pointing that big old cannon known as artificial intelligence in the right direction. Yeah, the other thing I thought was really interesting is and then this is just a, a, a little pet thing of mine. I like to talk about it are the ethical ramifications of AI. And so I like that Jeff broke those down from a personal level and from a corporate level. Mm. You know, from a personal level, I know it feels a little weird because we have this saying ingrained in us of like, we don't want to cheat and it's got to be my information and I've been hired to bring my opinions to the company and but now I'm using this 
artificial intelligence to bring opinions, and they're not really mine. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think if you as a company, as an organization, can make it acceptable to use it, and maybe that's a, a training, maybe that's a, you know, just bringing people in, showing them how it works, showing them how it can be used, showing them what it's good for and what it's not good for, but creating that acceptance in your organization mm -hmm. will really go a long way to, to allowing people, because you know, I know the way I use it in my life, I, I am a content creator, so I like doing stuff like this, like podcasts, I like doing stuff like writing, so I don't use a lot for that. I like to use my own creativity there. Do I use it occasionally? I do. But when I'm trying to come up with something, uh, a marketing piece, if I'm trying to come up with some questions or something I don't, it's a great jumping off point for me and I use it constantly for that. So understanding where it can fill the gaps is also important. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see like who owns what. That will probably change in the upcoming decade as regulations come into play, you know, these different safety guardrails in terms of what is owned by artificial intelligence, what's owned by you as the person behind the keyboard for artificial intelligence. So it'll be certainly interesting to see all of that develop and unfold here in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I think this should be a really interesting series, a bridging the gap series. We'll be talking about AI for a little while here. We've got some other sections. Jeff Winter, thankfully, will be back with us. So if you don't like Tyler and I, tune in for Jeff. Jeff's pretty good. Mm. Uh, but we'll be talking about things like implementation in the near future, uh, the strengths and weaknesses, which we kind of touched upon in this episode, but we'll talk in a little bit more depth about what AI is doing well and what it's not doing well. And then we'll talk about the business impact of it, which I think is a really important indicator. So again, Jeff Wonder will be our guest on many of these. We'll ask a lot of questions. So, uh, so it should be interesting. Please tune back in. Mm. And if you would like to reach us personally, of course, I am my email, I should say. I am not my email, but my email is twall at cfumedia.com. Uh, I am the anthropomorphized version of my email, G-C-O-H-E-N at cfemedia.com. And you can find more great contact, contact? Or content, content, or content. Either one. Uh, you can find more great content just like this, of course, at controlengine.com. That is C-O-N-T-R-O-L-E-N-G.com. And also plantengineering.com, which is as it sounds. Yeah, and that's it. That's it. We talked earlier about how we go cut across all these verticals. Please check us out now. Lots of good content on, like Tyler said, control engineering, plant engineering, and you didn't mention industrial cybersecurity pulse, which we both work on. And if you like hearing Tyler and I ramble, please tune into the ICS Pulse podcast. Mm, yes, please do. And as always, I'm Tyler Wall. I'm Gary Cohen. And we'll see you next time on the Bridging the Gap series.